With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can I just start by saying <laughs> I released the Chargers schedule two hours before anybody else had it. I uh, I, I like to call myself an NFL insider because I, I kind of am. And uh, I'm just stoked that I got that out before anybody else. Nobody else saw it. But yeah. I hit every <laughs> single one of those 100%. And I'm ecstatic about that. That's pretty, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it luck or good prep on your part, but I feel like at the very least, you should go try your luck at either the lottery or make a Vegas trip because uh, I think you're on a heater, dude. That was not luck. That was research. So what I, <laughs> what I ended up doing, right, and I do this every year. I did it last year. I was off by like four games last year. I had two games mixed up in the two different spots. But what I do is I, I pull up an Excel spreadsheet every year and I put uh, on the spreadsheet, and I sent you this spreadsheet, but on yeah, there I, I put every single team that we are going to play home and away. And then as the leaks come out and I go, okay, the Raiders are playing this team in week three, I will go and cross out the Raiders so that eventually what ends up happening is I get left with certain teams. Now, last year was much harder because I didn't anticipate or think about the fact that if the Rams have a home game, we are away. So for certain weeks, I can completely cross out uh, certain games, anticipating that the only time that that's wrong. And the reason I was so accurate this year is if the Rams or the Chargers play a Thursday night game, they can still play a Sunday game at the same stadium. But for every other one, that's not the case. We knew right off the bat that the Chargers were going or that the Rams had a home uh, Thursday night football game in week one, which automatically 
uh, crossed everything else out. Last year, I didn't know what those Thursday night games were, but I was able to figure out <laughs> by doing it. I have no life. I mean, I should have been working realistically, <laughs> but I, I was uh, crossing them out all day. I started uh, like two days ago, uh, kind of getting it all together, and I was able to pinpoint and with with two hours notice before anybody else, uh, the entire schedule 100 percent. And I posted that on my Twitter and not a single one person responded and said I was wrong. And I should have thrown that back into his face because I was right. Is there like a is there like a prop bet in Vegas on predicting the schedule? Because I feel like if you have I feel like you could win some serious money um, if there is a bet like that, because 16 or 17 games now, that's pretty tough. You there's probably some bets like that, right? I'm, I'm sure that you can bet for anything, but I think that the issue is when they'll start leaking those bets yeah. start to, and, and I do it based off of leaks. I'm doing a bunch of research, but I do it based off weeks. Yeah. But still like you two hours, I still like how, how realistically, how, what was the soonest time? If you did want to put effort into this, uh, I'm thinking for, you know, just the sake of the shock therapy, uh, <laughs> revenue stream maybe we do this like a week before and go make a significant bet and win some money well the issue is i feel like last year a lot more leaks came out a lot sooner yeah. uh, it didn't seem like there was very many leaks until really about like this morning like today is when most of those leaks really started coming okay. out so maybe it's um, not possible but i'm just thinking yeah you know, i mean trying to make this lucrative for us I was on top of it, and I really use Pro Football Network really closely. I use CBS really closely, uh, constantly looking around uh, for anywhere I could find those um, those releases, those those leaks. Uh, and it's it's a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. I was able to only do it with two hours' notice, and I had to guess on two games. I had to guess on uh, the Rams game. Uh, and I had to guess on, uh, I want to say one that was either the week before or after. I think it was the Colts. Uh, those could have been in any direction. Uh, and I ended up guessing right on those. So, you know, I don't know. It's difficult. It's it's something I do every year. I don't know why I do it. Um, <laughs> I've become kind of an Excel whiz at my job. But uh, you want to talk about the schedule? Have you had a chance to take a look at it at all? I was taking a look. I'm just, you know. First glance, my initial reaction is um, what games are off limits to me and when are we making our shock therapy annual, uh, you know, visit to the SoFi? So I didn't even think about that. Any game is any game you want to go to, uh, I would say, with the exception of like the Dolphins. Um, I don't know if you remember one of our guys from the Brawl Network. Uh, He lives in the U.K., uh, his name is, he was a writer uh, at uh, over there. Uh, he, I promise Andy Davies. You remember Andy Davies? Uh, that name sounds familiar, but I don't think we ever really interacted. So you, he was he was one of our writers, but he was in the UK. And I promised him a game because he's going to be coming from the United Kingdom here. Yeah. And I was like, you, you make it here. He's actually doing a, um, he's going to every single stadium in a season. That's what his goal is. So he's going to a Thursday night game. He's going to a Sunday game and a Monday game and back-to-back days for a while there. And he's trying to hit all 32 stadiums in a season. 
uh, and I figured that's kind of expensive. I said, hey, man, if, if you make it out to SoFi, I'll, I'll take you to a game for free. Uh, so any game outside of that you could uh, you could go to. I would highly recommend the Rams game because, to me, that's going to have, like, the biggest atmosphere, right? Like, granted, the Raiders will probably overrun SoFi Stadium because it's the Raiders, and, and that's just kind of what we get. Uh, but the, the, the Rams game, the battle for L.A., same stadium, first time the two teams have played each other in – in their own state. It's like two home games, right? Like I yeah. would highly recommend the Rams game because, and it's on new year's day, which might actually kind of suck for you, depending on what, what <laughs> plans you, you wanted to have. Uh, Well, just knowing me, I feel like maybe battle for LA is not a great look for me just because I know I'm going to get rowdy. I know the Rams fans can get rowdy. So maybe we just keep me away from, uh, LA Rams fans. Um, and maybe I'll be on my best behavior for that October 17th. I kind of want to go see a division rivalry. I, I get that the Rams are our team, but I would love to go see Russell Westbrook and Herbert ball out. Um, so that was kind of my first game that I was kind of looking at was October that, 17th. The, Chiefs, the, the Broncos. The, the Chiefs would be another good one. Uh, you know, another really fun game, and it's really soon, though, is the, the September 11th game against the Raiders. That would be amazing. Um, but that's like the final week of our Rivercat season, so I don't really want to take time off. Um, but at the end of September is the end of our season. And so... You're right. So actually, the October, what is it, 11th, 17th? 17th, Monday night 17th. football? It's week six. Oh, it's Monday night. Yeah, it's a Monday night football game, so it's prime time. And the prime time games that I went to last season were a ton of fun. If you had a chance to go to the yeah. the um, uh, specifically the Steelers game last season, I mean that was a ton of fun. Uh, I want to do. Let's let me put me on you know a tentative schedule for that October seventeenth. That way I could also come down make a weekend my grandma lives in la so maybe i can just hang out with her for a couple days because last time i came hung out and went to the game and then dipped on her so i feel like maybe i'll just hang out with grandma for a day you, or get a two. Whole... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could come out for the whole weekend really and then right. leave on on tuesday i want to make a bigger you know that that would make i think the most uh sense for like a full trip out there because I also want to have a bunch of friends in San Diego. Growing up in San Diego, I have I haven't been back. To, I've been back once since I left when I was eleven, um, and that was in like twenty, like twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. So I haven't been back to America's finest city in a long time. So maybe let's let's do that October seventeenth game, and I can make a weekend out of it. All right, so I'll put you down for October 17th. Um, Shark Therapy Podcast will be at that game together. Uh, you'll be Check flying out. out. You'll be flying out for my wedding in July. You'll be flying right. out for that October 17th game. Um, I'm stoked, well, man. Let's do it. Let's talk about the schedule a little bit. So let's right. break down the schedule a little bit. Uh, is there a, a better first game than the Raiders no. week one? At SoFi Stadium, right? Yeah, it's a home game for us. Is there a better way to end a season and then get that revenge the That's next game? Thinking. We don't have to wait long. And, you know, it's going to be no cakewalk. They 
are significantly better than they were last season, but I'm itching. I mean, they ended our season last year on some fluky. Well, it it wasn't a fluky game. We just couldn't stop the run. And so our run defense is significantly better. Their team is significantly better. Um, That's going to be an absolute battle. It's always been one of the biggest rivalry games, regardless of if which team is any good. Uh, for the longest time, the Raiders have been awful, but still those games are... They always play us close for whatever reason. Even when reason. they were awful. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I just don't dislike the other teams in the division. Like, I have respect for the, what the Chiefs have accomplished the last five, ten years during the Patrick Mahomes era. I have respect for the Broncos as an organization. I, I know a lot of... Denver fans in general, um, you know, my grandpa and my my uncle are both huge Denver fans. And so and, and beyond them, I, I just I don't know. I, I there's something about the Raiders, which makes it to me the I, I always it's say their like, fans. It's, it's their fans. That's what it is. Like, we don't like their fans. Like, no, no. If I if I want to be honest here, I feel like the Raiders have a pretty cool looking logo. I feel like the black and silver is a kind of a badass it's color a cool aesthetic. Yeah. It's a cool but it's their fans. Like, I I just hate their fans. Like their fans yeah. are just rowdy. It's the worst. You talk about the black hole. You just think about guys that are just overly drunk, yeah. uh, kind of like you at the Browns games <laughs> last year. Well, well, well. <laughs> like, I was. It's their, it's their fans. <laughs> it's their fans. They travel well. They always play us tough. Uh, they got a storied history. Uh, but it's ultimately it's their fans. Their fans suck. So if you're listening to this and you're a Raiders fan, let me just tell you, you suck. Dislike, yeah. Uh, I yeah, I'm excited. And then back to back division games to start off the year. That is tough. I mean, you. But I think the good thing about that is there's no back to back division games for the remainder of the year. And I kind of like having them spread out. Two real legit tests at the beginning of the year. And then that week three to five is kind of my soft spot for this schedule. Um, There's really no cakewalk for the rest of that schedule, but that three to five is a good to have, especially um, after playing, you know, two really, really good division rivals to start the week at worst case, you know, worst case scenario, you drop two games, you, you got some three very winnable games to help build momentum for the second half of the season. And then I always like a, middle of the kind of middle of the the season bye week it's the most you know beneficial in my opinion and it's perfectly placed at week 10 you know seven uh, week, week seven week or week eight, eight is our bye so actually let's, let's jump into that real quick before we jump that far so playing the chiefs at arrowhead in september is perfect you're yeah. not playing in cold weather the the chiefs always seem to start off a little bit slower. We beat yep. them in the first first time coming around um, uh, last season. I think uh, it was before we- they're on all cylinders, before Andy Reid has got them all together. And this is a yeah. completely different offense. You yeah. talk about the receivers. Their receivers across the board, without, with the exception of Cole Hardeman, brand new. Offensive line, uh, still very young. We don't know if they'll be able to gel right away. Uh, and then defense, they lost the, the star of their defense. I feel like the Chiefs are in transition, and yeah. getting them early on is going to be super big to the Chargers winning that game, who have kept the core of their uh, offense intact, uh, has kept the core of their defense uh, intact. Um, 
And I, I feel like it's a really great time to get the Chiefs. Uh, yeah. And then when we play them the second time, uh, when they start rolling, because they'll, they'll pick it up. They have the coach. Uh, they, they have the leaders on their team. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is is going to be able to get that offense rolling at some point during the season. Uh, we're going to be playing them at home in front of our own fans, uh, not in the cold. That is huge, monumental for when we're going to be getting them. Uh, it's it's the best time to, to get the Chiefs, in my opinion, uh, before you're you're playing, you know, in sub degree yeah. weather in snow, um, that type of thing. So getting the Chiefs week two is just and on Thursday night football, the Chargers have five oh, prime, time. prime time games. Yeah, and I mean we're we're going to be coming off, we're going to be playing two division opponents within four days. Yeah, and it's one of those divisions that we I really just think. To be competitive, you gotta you gotta split. Um, you gotta split in this division. I don't think anybody is really good enough to either even go four and two. Like four and two in this division with the talent that we have seems. Vi- I I think the winner of the division is gonna go four and two. But to me, it's just like not something you can bank on because these are all legit playoff deep playoff runs contenders. Uh, with the rosters that they have built. It's such a crazy arms race that we just saw in the AFC in general, but specifically in our division. This I've never seen this much talent in one division. Uh, after we, we get done with our two back-to-back division games, uh, I feel like the Jaguars, we should be able to steamroll. Uh, the Texans, we, we need revenge for that game. They, that game, was embarrassing. Please. That was embarrassing, embarrassing last season. That was the game that made us lose uh, yeah. our opportunity to make it to the playoffs last year. And we were talking uh, and about then, it. And then we, we go to the Browns to, uh, what is it, Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I, I have no idea what to make <laughs> of that whole situation. Did you get a chance to see uh, the Chargers schedule reveal, the video, the anime video that they created? No, I don't think I have. All right, when you get a chance, you watch that and you'll you'll see a specific section. It didn't occur to me at the time, right? But they said that our lawyers had to to remove the content. Uh, we were advised by our lawyers to remove the content. And as I started thinking about it, and you'll get this when when you read it, that was totally a dig at Deshaun Watson when they ended up doing that. Uh, I wish I could like I wish you had seen it before this podcast because yeah, you're going to watch it. About. And then when it happens, right, when they do the schedule reveal and that exact section of that schedule review comes up, it's going to make so much more sense. They're talking about Deshaun Watson. They're totally putting in a dig there when they're talking about oh. lawyers. Pretty uh, okay. funny. But I wonder if Deshaun Watson is going to have that leadership role that he had on the Texans coming out of this massive lawsuit, this massive sexual assault yeah. allegations. Uh I'm wondering if there's going to be a lot of dysfunction in that organization because there always has, has been. But more specifically now, you look at the fact that they lost Jarvis Landry. You look at the fact that they just had this issue with Baker Mayfield where they, you know, they were on his side and then they weren't. And then they ended up trading yeah. all this capital for Deshaun Watson and what kind of leadership there is going to be on that offensive side of the ball. Uh, I still think they still think that they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, but I just see all of this off season that's been really kind of um, it's been kind of quiet, but 
crazy. Like it's been a crazy off season for the Browns. When you look at exactly what happened, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, losing Jarvis Landry the way that mm-hmm. they did, and then trading away uh, for Deshaun Watson, and they still haven't gotten rid of Baker Mayfield yet. Right. What? And he's what? Is he just living in the stadium still? I mean, he made all those commercials. <laughs> what are they going to do with their poster boy? It's true. I don't know what they're going to do there, but it is something to think about, right? What is going on with the Browns? Are they going to be good? I feel like they have a pretty decent roster overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just they picked up Amari the Cooper. They have Amari Cooper. They have they have a right. legitimate quarterback from a, a talent perspective. Like Deshaun Watson is really, really good. I just question whether or not coming out of all of this off season, all of this off the field issues, where Deshaun Watson's mind's going to be at, and if that's going to affect his play, because I have no idea. He's going to play football in in over a year. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it looks like to me a, a nine and eight, eight and nine type of team because they have talent to be competitive. There's just no type of leadership in in the organization within the. Players, I mean, Nick Chubb is an absolute dog. I think the best running back that's not playing in the AFC South, but I, I don't know. Like running back is really not like a leadership type of position. It's a it's a it's position not. where I'm going to, you know, kind of lead by example and get people going. But when was the last time you know you've seen a a running back be you know a team captain? It, it's very rare. It's just not a like a leadership type of role. And he's and their best we- player. And then we will be playing in Cleveland, but it's going to be in October, so you're not going to be dealing with the cold. Uh, and then, and then ultimately, when you look at that team in that division, uh, I question whether or not they're better than the Bengals. I question whether or not they're better than the Ravens. Uh, so they could end up missing playoffs altogether, sure. uh, which makes me wonder whether or not I, I feel like we're going to be matched up much better than than last season. Much much better. Uh, the week after, we have our first uh, primetime game at home. We will be playing the Denver Broncos uh, on Monday Night Football. Uh, again, we're going to be – well, it's still warm warm weather. Uh, we end up playing the Bengals later in the season, uh, the final game in the season. It will be much colder in Denver. Uh, but it is a good, good segue into the Russell Wilson era of the Broncos – uh, I'm excited for that game. I definitely am going to be at that game. Any thoughts on the first matchup against the Broncos? Well, yeah, um, I'm excited. I, I that's the game I want to go to. I, I really, I can't wait to get the first Russell Wilson versus Justin Herbert type of matchup. Russell Wilson has been, I think, one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a long time. I don't think anyone really expected him to be as good as he became. And now you got one, a the young buck and Justin Herbert trying to, you know, solidify himself as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I think that's going to be an absolute firefight. I can't wait. Uh, after right after that game, we kind of go into the, uh, the next couple of weeks or kind of the flyby to me. You said it was kind of early on in the season. To me, it's here. You're going to be playing the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Um, we already know the quarterback that they're going to have there, so I have no issues uh, there. I think that's going to be a very young team. I think per- Pete Carroll is rebuilding. Yeah. Uh, right after that game, we roll into a bye. Uh, we get another game to build some sort of confidence against the uh, Falcons, which should be a pretty easy game. 
and then we roll into another primetime game with the Seahawks, uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a really, really good game. Uh, if you're flying out. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And I kind of wanted to throw this out here. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. I want to go to that game. I absolutely want to go to that San Francisco 49ers game. You're flying out to me at a SoFi Stadium. They have a brand new stadium. Sunday night football. I would love to go to Levi, and I would love to see the Chargers play in San Francisco. I might sell... Uh, a game, I don't know which game here, to be able to go to that game out there because I just feel like that's going to be a really fun game. I mean, Trey well, Lance. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited to see Trey Lance. Obviously, living here in the Bay Area, I have tons of Niners fans. There's a lot of Raiders fans, but we don't really hang out a whole lot. But I like my Niners fans. I've always kind of adopted them as my NFC team. Um, I was rooting for them through the playoffs. They are just a it's a classy organization. I think their fans definitely get a little, what is the word? They, they've just been spoiled. They have had a, such a good franchise for a very long time. And so when they're not really good, you see them kind of waver a bit. But I think they've earned that right because it is such a good team. It is such a year in and year out, a really, really good organization. And so, and they're on the up and up. We got a new quarterback. That, that roster, I think, Nobody really expected them to make a playoff push and then win some playoff games, you know, knocking off uh, Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau, really huge. I mean, and going neck to neck, neck and neck with the the eventual Super Bowl champions in the in the Rams. Um, the Niners are a good team, and that's going to be a good game. If, if you're coming out, uh, you know, I'd love to tag along. I know 
Yeah, I know that's going to be a really good game too. Sunday night football, you can't really you can't beat it. And I've never been to Levi. Yeah, I would love to go to that game. I just wanted to, to pop that onto you because that's that's a game I want to go to to for sure without a doubt. Now, my question about that game, and it's weird. The 49ers are really weird. They're either really, really good or they're really, really yeah. bad, right? And there's no in-between. Like, I feel like they're either picking high in the draft, picking Javon Kinlaw or, you know, some other uh, high draft picks that they've had in, in, in recent years, or they're going making deep playoff runs. They were in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Not very many players from that team are still on this team that they have now. But they've always got playmakers, especially in the secondary. I feel like that's always been a big strength of theirs in, in the secondary and then the run game. Uh, they have a really good coach. Yeah, you know he's a really good coach because even when they're losing games and they're picking high in the draft, nobody is saying that that um, Kyle Shanahan's on the hot seat. So he's definitely got a hold of that franchise. Uh, everybody looks up to him. Everybody's bought in. They've got the, the they've got the stars. I, I don't know whether or not Debo Samuel is going to still be there. Yeah. Um, but they got Fred Warner. Uh, they got a brand new quarterback. I highly I really think that they're going to end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo to the Seahawks. I just feel like to. that's that's they they have to do something with him. They don't want to just pay him to sit. They want to hand the reins over. Uh, and where else would if 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 the Seahawks are not sold on Baker Mayfield, the only other legitimate quarterback who's available, I'd say there's two. There's Jimmy Garoppolo and a sleeper that I could see being traded within the next couple of weeks before training camp, especially is going to be Jordan Love. He needs a shot. Free that guy. He, I, I, what? Why haven't we given him a shot? I think he needs to play some football um, to prove whether he's good or not. Like We have no idea at this point. Jordan Love, a lot of people forgot about Jordan Love, but Jordan Love, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be in Green Bay at least another two seasons. If you're lucky, you get one season with Jordan Love, who is going to then, after sitting for four years, sign this massive contract somewhere else if he ends up coming out and just totally killing it. Like Jordan Love needs an opportunity to make himself some money. Um, And I feel like if I'm the Seahawks, and I know I need a quarterback, and there is an unknown there, and that unknown is Jordan Love, I would totally trade a first-round draft pick just to see if you're going to get that from him. He sat for two years behind the best quarterback in football. He's got to have learned everything mentally. Now you just got to see if he can do it physically, if his arm is there. So Jordan Love needs that opportunity, and I feel like he's a player that could potentially be traded before training camp starts, because if you're going to trade for him, you have to do it soon. I I agree. I think the better fit over there, though, to me, would be Jimmy Garoppolo, because we talk about the best thing, best trait for Jimmy Garoppolo is his leadership, that, that people just follow him. And for a, a team like the Seahawks right now, who are going to run the ball a lot, uh, who are going to play tough defense, I think it's a good fit. They're kind of looped. With without their captain and Russell Wilson, they don't really have, you know, a strong veteran presence to kind of pave the way for the younger guys. And so I feel like that would be a, a better fit, in my opinion. But what an ultimate backhand disrespectful <laughs> move that would be to be like, yeah, you could go play in the division. We don't really view yeah. you that good after we paid you a, a ridiculous contract, in my opinion. But I also look at it like if you're willing to hand the, the reins over 
So first of all, they 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 drafted Trey Lance in the first round. Yeah. Right. Really highly, which Third. just tells me that they don't think very highly of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I mean, is he all is this all GQ, just all looks, or, or does he have the leadership ability? Does he have the arm? Because there was a time there, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo first got traded, he played for them for like six games. He went on a six-game winning streak with the 49ers. Uh, he ended up bringing that franchise back up, gave them the confidence. If you yeah. really want to look at why the 49ers are where they are right now, it's purely off Jimmy G confidence. Because he brought yes. he brought the confidence over, um, but after the seasons progressed, the injury started piling up, uh, and then people started question whether or not Jimmy G could carry a franchise. And then the ultimate decision came out, and they said, "Okay, Trey Lance is our guy." So why would you not if you if you don't believe in him, then send him to a division rival and still don't believe in him, <laughs> right? Like it's the same thing. If you if you're not going to believe in him on your own team. You should want to trade him to an in-division player, especially because you have the knowledge. What is he good at? What is he not good at? That is a benefit to you. If I am the Chargers and somebody wanted to come take Easton Stick off my hands, and maybe Easton Stick is a stud, I know that player so well inside and out that I would want to trade him to an in-division rival, even if he is good because at least I know his strengths and his weaknesses because he's practiced with me for the last three years. That is such a perfect move. You know his strengths. You know his weaknesses. Why would you not trade him to an in-division rival? Especially because he's not a superstar. No, he's not. He's not. Game manager, we use it a lot. But uh, even then, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was never been a super big Jimmy G fan. I think he's a product of a really good team and a really good organization with uh, tons of talent around him defensively doesn't have to score a lot of points with that defense over there. And then some really great uh, weapons to throw to and, and Travis or er, and George Kittle and this superstar in the making and Debo Samuel just had an outstanding season and they've always had running backs, maybe not the Frank Gore caliber talent that we, we, that, that this, organization is used to having but they with that offense their running backs are always productive moving on uh we'll be going uh the chiefs are coming to sofi stadium on november 20th in week 11 i already talked about the fact that we're going to be playing them in california in warm weather but we won't have those issues i feel like they're going to get some things figured out that i think they're going to struggle early on uh, and that's going to be a really good matchup, one that I'm ecstatic to go to. Uh, then we go to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Uh, there is some dysfunction in that organization going on as yeah. well. Uh, they will get their wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins back by then from his uh, PED positive test. Oh, yeah, uh, and then we will that. be going to Vegas to play the Raiders uh, for the second time. Uh that's a, a game that I'm also interested in potentially attending uh, in Vegas. I, I kind of want to see the toilet bowl stadium. Uh, <laughs> I hear some, some good things about it. Um, but something about just, just going to a division rival game. I've never been to one. And I think that would be a really fun one to go to. And then we will be uh, getting a home game against the dolphins. I already talked about it a little bit earlier. 
Uh, we have, I have a friend from the Brawl Network back when I was a writer and editor uh, for the Brawl Network who will be coming to that game. And then the game after that's also another one I really kind of want to talk about a little bit. Uh, the Titans. We will be hosting the Titans uh, December 18th. And what better game to see whether or not we have fixed our run defense yeah. than deep in the season than against Derrick Henry, King Henry. Uh, Titans are without A.J. Brown. Uh, that's going to be a really, really interesting game, in my opinion, because you look at the teams leading up to that point. Um, we don't know what's going to be going on with the Browns, who have a strong, strong run game. Uh, Javante Williams, uh, obviously, the, 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 the Broncos are going to have a strong run game. They, they, they are really kind of built for that. But no other team on the roster really has uh, the superstar running backs. Uh, and then we will be finding out whether or not the Chargers' run defense is improved from what it was previously until we really hit that game. Well, and I think it's a good good time to catch the Titans because I just kind of have the feeling that they're going to ride this guy again very, very significantly because he is their entire offense. You don't got much in Tannehill. You got rid of A.J. Brown. Your offense is Derrick Henry. And last year, we saw him on an absolute tear, and he just kind of got broken down because he was carrying the ball 45 times a game. It'll be interesting to see Wake 15 rolls around if he's completely healthy. I don't think so. I know he's an absolute bruiser, but carrying the ball that many times, you take a lot of shots. This is a grown man type of league, and I don't care if you're 6'2", ridiculously strong with ridiculous physicality. That's going to take a toll, and so it'll be interesting to see if he's not a little banged up by then. I feel like it is going to be a good time to play the Titans. Uh, because if the Titans, who are in a really weak division, they, it's just them mm -hmm. and the Colts, essentially. Uh, Bolt, by the way, we play the Colts one week after right Jonathan after. Taylor is just as much of a stud, just kind of a different stud in the run yeah. game. Uh, maybe at that point, they're still going to start limiting carries if they feel like they have a good chance to, to make sure. the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, maybe they are sitting at, you know, nine, nine and four or something like that. Um, if they're sitting at nine and four and they feel like they have a, an easy end, this would be a game that you'd rest, you know, um, give less carries. I, I, I would much rather play teams that are, are run heavy teams late in the season than early in the season, because toward the back half of the season, those players, they're, they're tired. Uh, they're injured. They're nursing, you know, um, mm -hmm. they're nursing those injuries. If you're going to be playing run-heavy teams, you want to play them late in the season because it's likely that they're going to be, you know, at full go the way they are in week two through six. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, those are two. Those are two great running backs. I think the best in the league, and they're just so different. It, it's very interesting. You got the premium power back in Derrick Henry, and then. I'm not going to say he's not a power back, but he is a little more finesse to his style than Jonathan Taylor. That's a very, very tough. And then the week before, even in the Dolphins, that's a lot of speed that you got to contend with. That is three very, very unique game plans that you're going to have to come up with. So I hope Staley's ready um, because 
that leads right into another team you're going to have to prep for very uniquely uh, coming to SoFi, the Battle of SoFi with the Rams. That's, this is probably my favorite game on the entire schedule. Because we're going to be coming off two. This is going to be our second back-to-back primetime game. We'll be playing the Colts on Monday Night Football. It's the second Monday Night Football game of the year. Uh, they get a short week, a little bit of a short week, and then they go and play the Rams on Sunday Night Football. The Rams just won a Super Bowl. Yep. They are the hot team in L.A. right now because they won that Super Bowl. Uh, we know that they're going to make some sort of trade in season for some veteran uh, player because that's just what they do. They, they trade away draft capital. Um, and, and I mean, Sean McVay is one of the brightest minds. When you take a look at the coaching staff, uh, Brandon Staley coach under um, Sean McVay, uh, we have some some player similarities. I mean, what player knows their defense better or what coach knows their defense better than Brandon Staley? Brandon Staley knows that roster, at least 60% of that roster pretty damn well. Yeah. I mean, he coached them. And he coached, he coached them to them. their, not the, their ultimate success, but that defense was absolutely scary under Staley. And he was a big, big part of it. And you, you know – you know he's a big part of it when you listen to all of his former players talk about him. And it's I mean, people want to play with for this guy, so I'm super excited. Uh, well, let's finish this this schedule up because uh, I'm going to get too excited talking about Staley. Yeah, so like this is going to be the 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 this is going to be the game to watch. I feel like it's going to be 50-50. Uh, if it is 50-50, that's like the best case scenario. It is a Chargers sure. home game. So you'll get all the Chargers season ticket holders there. But if you're a Charger fan, you're definitely trying to get to that game. That's one of the, the biggest games of the season. Uh, it will always be a big game every season because it's it's going to be a rivalry. It's going to be a rivalry for a long, long time. I'm ecstatic for that game. That's my favorite game on the entire schedule. And it's interesting. This is the only time we know for sure in the next Let's see. It won't happen again for sure until at least four seasons. So maybe we get a primetime game in there mixed in there, but it's not a given until, you know, four years in the future. So, yeah, get get on it while you have the chance, because we might not see it again for a long time. They should have made that a Monday night football game. That should have been like its own time slot. But hey, you know, what? Sunday night football. I'll definitely be there. I'm stoked about it. Uh, And then the final game of the season. Uh, is probably the worst game of the season. You're going to be playing the Broncos mm. at Arrowhead. You're going to be playing, first of all, you, you're going to be dealing with weather. Yeah. And then secondly, you're going to be dealing with the elevation. At that point in the season, players are banged up. They're tired. In some ways, you could say they're probably the at their the peak of their um their athletic ability, right? Like you're talking about getting in shape. Players are in shape by that point in time. Conditioning. That's what I was trying to get at. But that is going to be where they, they the, the teams run you down. That is going to be cold. It's going to be a cold game. Arrowhead's outside. Th- those elements at that point in time, you're talking about January 8th. It's the worst time. So if it's a the, the worst case scenario, win and you're in, Losing yeah. or out, that's the game. That's the worst possible time to ever have that situation. So Chargers have to lock up a playoff spot by then. 
because yeah. I had them dropping this game already, and I don't even know because it's just it's just the timing of it. It's set up in the favor of the Broncos. If there was going to be a game that they would lose, it's going to be a game like that. And the best case scenario, you're already resting your starters because that game doesn't matter. I'm hoping it's an it's a a give me a game that we don't need to win because yeah, I don't want to see this. We never really play good at Mile High. It's not been a, a stadium we we play traditionally good at. Nobody does. And and late in the year, snow pouring, potentially pouring down a a, a grinded out football game. I, I think they're you know, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I hope that game doesn't matter for us. Um, and I hope we yeah. learn from last season. Get it done when you have a chance. Close it out. Week fifteen, week sixteen, or stamp your, you know, playoff card. Then uh, don't wait for the last game because nothing's given in this league. Nothing's what is the word? Yeah, nothing's given in this league. So, so before we roll into uh, our fifth, sixth, and seven round draft picks, uh, I did just kind of want to run through the schedule one last time and get your thoughts. Uh, way too early to tell, but week oh. one, Chargers play the Raiders. Win or lose, what do you got? We're revenge. That's the revenge game. So we got to go win off the bat. That is definitely going to be a win for me as well. That's one and oh. Uh, the Chargers play the Chiefs week two, win or lose. That's a tough one. It's an arrowhead. You, you, you mentioned that it's the Chiefs not going to play, you know, not, <laughs> not at their peak um, early on, but I, I just can't see. I, I love the Chargers. I just don't see us going 2-0 and back-to-back. I think best-case scenario – not best-case scenario, but I think the most logical sense is going 1-1 one and one in those first two games. I uh, I think we're going to win that game because I think it's a great time to play the Chiefs. Uh, sure. If we're going to lose one of those division games, it's going to be the later one. I, I feel like we're going to come out hot. Uh, and I hope so. I mean, I just – I feel like we are further along in our development. We're a much older team in, in the sense of – you know, the players have been playing around each other much longer because they had a lot of turnover. They have a lot to to kind of catch up on. I feel like we start off 2-0. and You got them at 1-1. One and one. I think it's pretty safe to say we both think we're going to steamroll the, the Jaguars, right? Yeah, the, I mean, no and Urban the Meyer, but that, those I think are – and that's kind of why I think, yeah, there's a legit chance that this team starts 4-0. They came out the gate hot last year one of the hottest teams and then just kind of crumbled in the middle of the year, especially towards the end of the year. So I think there's a legit chance they start five and zero, And I think you can make a really strong argument that they get out the gate five and oh, you really don't know what's coming. Gonna, you really don't really know what to expect from the Browns. Um, But I just kind of see us going four and one in those first five weeks. Somehow, Uh, some way someone's going to pull a game out. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going to say that we go five and zero. I think that we're going to beat the Browns as well. I think this team is very hot right now, and they're going to get a hot start. And then I think that we are going to lose the first game to the Broncos. I think that that's. Uh, I think that getting swept by the Broncos isn't the best case scenario, uh, but I feel like defensively that team has been uh, together a long time. Yeah. And I think that they finally got the quarterback, which is the issue. You know, I think that the the, the Broncos might actually be the second place team in this division, which uh, a lot of other people probably don't think it's going to go that route. 
I think that yeah. the Chiefs right now on paper are the third best team in this division. Uh. There's a lot of turnover going on in that division right now, or in the, on that team right now, and it's a very young team on the offensive line. I think that the the Broncos are. I'm a little more afraid of their team than I am the the Chiefs at this point in time. Yeah, I I understand where you're coming from, um, but to me the the Chiefs are the king of the division until they're no longer are. So hopefully this is the year that we we can knock them off because I, I am. I respect the Chiefs, but I'm tired of them just kind of steamrolling this division. I also think that the Falcons is a win there. Uh, I, I have us dropping the 49ers. Uh, that's probably going to be our second loss of the season. Uh, and I also, just because I, I feel like uh, the the – the 49ers are a good team. I think they're going to put up a fight and we're playing at their stadium. Yeah. Um, I th- card. I don't know really what's going to go on with, with the Arizona Cardinals on any thoughts on that game on the Cardinals. I'm just not, they're always kind of a, They've always kind of have a good record, but I'm never really scared of them. You know, and there's a lot of turmoil going on over there in that organization. Do they believe in Kyler Murray? Do they not? I don't know. I think he's a, a very immature player, and I really just not scared of the Cardinals. So I, I like I like our chances in that game, even though it is in Arizona. The the issue with Arizona is I think that they have so much speed on offense that terrifies yeah. me because they can get out to a lead quick. Really, really sure. quickly. Uh, offensively, they're probably one of the most like dynamic offenses in terms of just skill position players, the type of skill position players that they have. They're a very complete team offensively, and they got some studs on the defensive side of the ball. I think that we're going to be uh, – I think that their defense is a wreck, especially in the secondary. I have a sweep in the Raiders. I don't know about you. I like it. Um, I like it. And it, what a good way to pull, you know, what a good way to get back at the Raiders um, than sweeping them in this in a season where they have a lot of hope and faith. So I, I like it. Um, I want to. I want to. It's, it's been too long since we dominated that team. So I like two wins this year. A little bit of a surprise. I feel like the Chargers always lose a game that they should win. Uh, at mm-hmm. least one, if not two. I feel like the, the Dolphins are kind of that wild card team. Nobody really knows what two is going to be like as a first full year starter. Uh, I'm going to have us dropping a game that nobody's going to expect us to, to drop, and that's going to be the Dolphins. I don't want to drop it against the Texans. I don't want to drop it against the Jaguars. If we're going to yeah. drop it anywhere. We, we, we're going to drop it to a team that's on the up and up. I feel like the Dolphins are on the up and up. Derrick Henry is healthy. Like that's going to be a really tough team. They got a good team defensively. Um, they they ha- they're they're not nearly as good as I think that they were last season. But I think they're going to be a team that plays us tough. Yeah, um, I, I feel like both of those games off of a low when we should have won, and then I think it leads into just a just a good matchup against us. I could see us dropping both of those games. 
and if we drop that game, something tells me that the next two games aren't going to be any easier. Uh, at this point in the season, I feel like we just need to win one game. We win one game, yeah. we're in the playoffs. Uh, but then if you really look at the, the last four-game stretch, it's not easy. You're going to be playing no. the Titans, the Colts, the Rams, and the Broncos. Three of the four of those teams are really strong run game teams. And then Sean Bay is an excellent offensive play caller. I think it's going to come to a – like win 10. I think that we win 11 games this season. Uh, and I don't know which of those teams are going to get that W yeah. against, but it has to be one. It's a tough. It's a tough way to close out the season, and but I, I, with a really tough schedule and a really tough division, I think the, you know, most logical. The 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 prediction that makes a lot of the most sense to me is an eleven and six team, um, because of just the the talent that we have to play. There's a lot of quality teams on the seventeen game schedule. I'm gonna give us eleven wins. Uh, yeah, and then 11 wins. Uh, I think we could totally win the division. If we're winning the division, I, I, I don't think that we need to win more than 11 games because I feel like a lot of teams are going to – I mean, the Raiders are going to win some games in the division. They could end up beating us. I think it would be very strange to see that happen. But, I mean, they did it last season, and nobody – expected last – and talk about – our last couple of draft picks to close off this episode. Uh, yeah. In the fifth round, the Chargers um, 6'4", 324-pound nose tackle. Like, that's purely what he is. Uh, and he's going to be a player I'm going to go back and forth with over the next couple of seasons. I just have a feeling. Uh, I'm going to love him against, against the run. His run defense is kind of what makes him special. Uh, but him as a pass rusher, he's not going to be able to get any sort of penetration. He's extremely strong. He can hold his ground against the most powerful guard-tackle combos from the interior. Uh, he can get off the snap aggressively pretty quickly. Uh, he's able to create some sort of extension with his arms, wrap up the ball carrier. But he's really slow. He's not athletic. And like I said, no pass rushing ability whatsoever. Purely a two-down player. And I'm not necessarily sure uh, whether or not practice squad to start off. I don't know. Um, he's one of those players that, that's going to end up making the roster because he was drafted in the fifth round. But if he makes the roster, then one of these players is going to make the practice squad. One of these players is getting cut. It's going to be between um, – Braden Fajoko and Forrest Marrow. One of those guys has to get pushed off the roster, in my opinion, because yeah. as a nose tackle, I mean, not you're not going to have four nose tackles on the 53-man roster. I don't even think you're going to have more than two because I feel like you're going to have uh, Austin Johnson who's able to fill that role, uh, that precision vers um, versatility pushes another player off the roster. So go ahead and tell me what you think about the Ogbonia pick. Uh, in the fifth round well and it's just kind of like a consistent theme i saw throughout this this draft was adding speed to the secondary and adding strength in the trenches and offensively we got a very strong player the strongest bench 
the strongest player at the in the combine in uh, Zion Johnson. And Aguania was the strongest defender, put up 29 reps on the bench press. You mentioned his size, a big, big dude who's going to be a two-gap nose tackle at the next level. And we all know about the Chargers' lack of run defense. I don't think Ogbenia is, is a guy, a fifth-round draft pick, is not going to solve your run problems by himself. But he is an unmovable force, at least he was in college. He's shown the propensity to clog multiple running lanes at a time. And I mentioned how much he could put up on the bench. He squats 685. And, you know, that strength he uses to reset linemen and completely just throw them off balance. And you said it, he's not a great pass rusher, but once he gets moving, because he's so big, because he's so strong, he's a very hard guy to stop. And when he gets that momentum, he gets a good jump. I could see him surging into the pocket. Um, I spoke about him in our interior defensive line episode, and I was really high on him as a depth piece. And as a former Bruin, you know, gets to stay out here in the West Coast. Um, I like what he brings to the table, especially as a run defender, and that's what he does well. So I think the Chargers' D overall benefits tremendously because that was the Achilles heel for this team last season. Uh, in the sixth round, the Chargers selected uh, Georgia offensive tackle, right tackle specifically, uh, Jamari Salier. Uh, Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley said that they see Salier as more of a guard than they do as an offensive tackle. But he yeah. has a huge amount of flexibility to play everywhere on the offensive line. Uh, being an offensive lineman for Georgia comes with a certain amount of prestige. Uh, you gotta you gotta be really good to play for the Georgia offensive line. Uh, Sawyer was a five star recruit himself. Additionally, he saw playing time every season since 2018, which is insane because that really puts him into his freshman season playing for a, a team that just churns out high draft picks on the offensive. Like I said, it's just really weird that he fell that far in the draft. He's extremely productive as a pass protector. He's a road grader in the run game. I think that something that kind of comes against him is he's not very technically sound. He's effective, very, yeah. very effective, did not allow very many sacks, especially his last senior season. Uh, but kind of a, a similar situation to, I, I would say, like Trey Smith last season, a player who's drafted really low who could impress very, very very fast. Well, and I like it. I mean, nothing, nothing's more impressive than versatility. And he's had starting experience at both tackle positions. I think he's logged some, some games at left guard. But in practice, they've had him play every single position because he is that versatile guy. And he's a team captain for a national championship team. You love that leadership on top of the versatility. You mentioned one sack in a senior year. I think it was just one sack allowed in his entire collegiate career and he had one of his best games against Michigan going up against Aiden Hutchinson in the Orange Bowl didn't give up a sack to that guy and I'm sure you know we've all seen the clip at this point of him just driving him into the guard Um, we were talking about this guy as a fourth round prospect and the Bolts got tremendous value picking him up in the sixth great depth piece on the interior I think his best fit is probably at guard because he's not the longest guy he's not doesn't have outstanding mobility, but with a lot of tackle experience, you know, I, I like the possibility of him at least competing for that right tackle spot day one. Um, and it's not the only spot that he can play. So he significantly improves the depth, even if he can't crack the starting, you know, that starting spot in, in, in either one of those positions. But we're hearing a lot about 
how Trey Pipkins has improved significantly this offseason. I just don't – I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see and see all that put together. But I love Sawyer as a, a value pick and as a, a great depth piece. Uh, in the sixth round, the Chargers drafted Jasir Taylor. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just tell me a little bit about Jasir Taylor. Uh, I, I have a feeling you had a chance to watch a little more of his take than I did. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I was saying, speed in the secondary and Taylor, we got a lot from him. A five-year college career, has a lot of experience, in period in 62 games. That's a career record over there at Wake Forest. He's recorded two interceptions each of the last three seasons, and he set a new career high with 60 tackles, four tackles for a loss as his in his fifth-year senior season back in 2022. Now, he struggled with penalties. He has a knack of allowing big touchdowns, but his speed is something that's going to be very nice to add to a second this secondary and is most likely why the Bolts selected him with their second sixth-round selection. As pro day, he recorded a 4-3-9-40. He had a 1.54 10-yard split. This guy is blazing out of the gates. He amassed a 37-inch vertical, 10-foot, 5-inch in the broad jump, 6.843 cone drill. The guy can move and is a plus kick returner. He is on his career, averaged 26.3 yards per return, returned one for a touchdown, and in a deep, deep defensive back rotation, if Taylor wants to carve out a role on this team next season, it's going to be ha- as a coverage specialist. You know, we can add, we could benefit tremendously from a solid tackler with tremendous speed, especially in that gunner role. You know, I'm all for that because that has been another part of this team for years under Tom Telesco that has not changed. Um, it's that special teams being able to wreck the game in that third third phase of the game. And I'd like to change that soon. And it seems Staley and TT are on the same page as of now uh, because we picked up a lot of special teams help late in this draft and also in last year's draft. The the fifth and sixth cornerback positions on this roster, assuming that the Chargers carry six, it's going to be a battle. Deep, yeah. Jasir's going to be battling with Tavon Campbell, Keeman Hall, uh, the seventh round draft pick we'll talk here in a second, Deanne Le- Deanne, uh, Dean Leonard and the UDFA, Brandon Sebastian. Uh, what Taylor provides, you were just talking about, is that returner ability, but also the ability to be a gunner and yes, for sure, without a doubt, and at returning punts and kicks. But Jasir is going to be able to make the roster by giving you flexibility in the event for injury. He's going to be the backup guy in that roster position. He worked out for a lot of teams throughout the draft. A lot of teams were on his radar. He's kind of a... I mean, he's a super senior. Uh, he has a lot yeah. of that flexibility with the the um, uh, special teams ability, but he's also extremely mature. Uh, I like Jasir Taylor for when we ended up drafting him. Um, but like I said, it's going to be a battle. One of those battles is going to be with Dean Leonard, which I'll talk about uh, here as well. I feel like Leonard's probably going to be on his way to the practice squad. I didn't get to watch more than one game, but he kind of rotated in and out of the Ole Miss game that I saw. So he wasn't an every down player for Ole Miss. Maybe that was due to injury. Uh, maybe that was due to the package of the game that I did watch. Uh, it could have been injury related. I, I don't really know. I just know that it's going to be a battle uh, for that final cornerback position because there's a lot of DBs on this roster, and I don't know where Leon fits. Yeah, 
I, I don't know either. I mean, I, I like what he does bring. Um, you know, the second Canadian-born player, the second Canadian-born DB on this roster, following in the footsteps of Kimon Hall, um, and played in at the University of Calgary where he had six interceptions, seven pass breakups, 62 tackles in two seasons out there. And in 2020 alone, had 2021 alone, had seven pass breakups and 48 tackles. And that's pretty, I think, legit as he got accustomed to the speed and the talent of the SEC, which is a no-joke type of conference. I think he lacks the initial instincts. They didn't really translate when he came south of the border um, because he did not record an interception, even though he had, what was it, six, yeah, six in his first two seasons over in Calgary. So I think he's raw. I think he's going to have to learn quickly because, you know, as seventh-round picks go, um, he does bring solid upside because, and and that's what the, and that's what bolts are banking on is upside six two one ninety five plus size, and he runs a sub four four forty. So size speed, that is beneficial. But with the DBs on this roster, you mentioned it. I don't see him playing significant defensive snaps. Um, so it's going to be as a depth piece, as a special teamer, if he does make the final roster. I see him as a practice squad stash at this point. Uh, the last player that the Chargers drafted, I think we're going to talk about UDFAs next week. Uh, in the seventh round, kind of toward the very end of the draft, uh, they drafted Xander Harvath, who's a fullback for Purdue. Um, I did not get a chance to watch Harvath that in depth, but I do know without a doubt that uh, he kind of was like a, a really big running back who ended up yeah. playing that fullback position. Tom Telesco compared him to... Uh, Buccaneers Hall of Famer uh, Mike Allstott. Really? Uh, it, if there's a player that is going to, yeah, because I mean, Allstott played like running back, like at times, like he was just a big back. And Harvath kind of played and filled that kind of similar role there. Um, he, uh, like I said, I, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of Harvath. I, I watched a, a highlight tape, which tells you just about how much I know about Harvath. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited about Xander Horvath because they don't make many 6'3", 230-pound running backs that can move like this guy. He led, you know, he had his best year as a junior, um, 746 all-purpose yards in just six games. That's tremendous production. Average five yards per carry, nearly 10 yards per reception. Very, very versatile his final senior season battled through tons of injuries and he still managed to appear in eight games. He's the first Purdue running back drafted since 1998. It's not a very prestigious school. Um, they didn't, they don't often put three prospects in the NFL draft in general. And so he was the third one behind George Kaloftis behind. Um, I can't think of his first name, but bell, the receiver, um, David bell, David bell, so this is one of the most storied Purdue draft classes in a long time. And Horvath, over his career, had 400-yard rushing performances. So he can get you some production as, as from the running back position. Also extremely versatile uh, special teams. He had 27 stops through his first two seasons when he was a full-time special teamer as a sophomore or freshman and sophomore year. And the guy is athletic. I mentioned his size, but he runs a 4'6", is a 35 and a half inch vertical and it's someone who at the very least is going to challenge Gabe neighbors for a roster spot that other fullback he's good friends with Herbert I get that but I don't think neighbors offers much 
beyond that to this team. I really think he's a dead roster spot at this point. And with Horvath, at least you have a versatile back who can play some H-back to help fill that void left by Steven Anderson. And he's a really, really good pass protector. So I like him, you know, as a potential blocker, as potential up back in special team return packages. Um, and he never really played fullback at Purdue. But I feel like that's where we're kind of gearing him up because he just we don't have a guy that size with this guy with blocking acumen um, like Horvath. So I really like his potential on this team. I think he fills a lot of roles at the very least going to challenge game neighbors. So if game neighbors does earn a roster spot, he's going to have to earn it because this guy's coming from. Yeah. He's a, he's really athletic from what, I mean, like I said, I only got to watch highlight films. So I, I, I can't even call that like legitimate, like research. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you do see that he's athletic through that. You know, he could be that Kyle Jusick who offers that sure. um, above average type of run blocking ability, but also as a guy who can beat you running routes out of the backfield from the fullback spot. I think he creates. Yeah, what are so we next, doing next week, week, I think we're going to be breaking down the UDFAs, um, get a chance to take a look at some of the players that went undrafted to the Chargers. I have not looked at a single one. Uh, so I have no idea what to expect out of all of that, but we will dive in um, at least a look at a few. Uh, maybe we'll take, I'll take five, you take five and we'll like go it. from there. All right. Thank all you guys right. so much for listening. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys later.